Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a worldwide community of people who are using the practices of mindfulness, compassion, forgiveness, and generosity to heal the pain and suffering that addiction has caused in our lives and the lives of our loved ones. This podcast is for all those interested in and all those already practicing refuge recovery to find freedom from addiction of all kinds. To support this podcast and your refuge recovery, please donate using the link in the show notes. So this first statement in this second truth, which is that um, the, the experience of repetitive craving is not your fault. The habitual reactive patterns, how we reacted to our pain, to our cravings, the, uh, is our responsibility. And, which is, and this is sort of the good news. The, the good news is it's not your fault. The good news is also it is your res- our responsibility um, and that we have the power and the ability to heal, to recover, to change our relationship to craving. We are all born into bodies that are ruled by a survival instinct that is out of harmony with reality. The normal state of human being is a sleep-like state of non-wisdom. The evolutionary process of human beings is dictated by a natural desire to live and to pursue happiness. But our survival instinct, which influences the body and mind, is really just the unrealistic expectation that life is always pleasurable and never painful. Our bodies naturally crave pleasure. Our bodies naturally crave pleasure, which we think equals happiness, safety, and survival. We hate pain, which we think equals unhappiness and death. So again, as I read this, I, I offer these for your reflection. This, this is from the refuge text, but um, do you see truth in this in your own direct experience? Do you see a tendency to crave pleasure and to hate pain? Uh, are you often blaming yourself for that? I see a lot of people have come over from Instagram over to um, Facebook and YouTube. Thank you for doing that. Um, I'm not sure if this Instagram is going to last, but Facebook and YouTube will. The addict is an extreme manifestation of the normal human condition. It is not a lack of morality or any deep character flaw that creates addiction. It is almost always just a lot of pain and a lack of tolerance or compassion for this pain that get us stuck in the repetitive and habitual patterns of drinking, drugging, overeating, or whatever actions our addictions take. In some cases, the underlying causes are not as clear. But the suffering that addiction creates is always obvious and undeniable. Craving a pleasurable existence is normal. Through our natural lust for pleasure and hatred of pain, we will survive for as long as the circumstances and the body's impermanence allow. 
We need these base cravings to survive. They are not the enemy. They are a necessary function of life. But as we know all too well, a life lived chasing pleasure and running from pain leads only to more and more suffering. And in our case, addiction to the substances or behaviors that have given us temporary relief. Our survival instinct does not grant us happiness, only temporary survival. A life based on craving and aversion is a miserable existence, even for non-addicts. But for the addict, it means a life that eventually becomes unbearable. Reflecting on our experience of the cravings of that unbearable running from pain, chasing those fleeting highs and escapes becomes almost unbearable. One of the other very important factors here is the truth of impermanence. We are born into a mind and body that is constantly changing and in a constant changing world. Everything is impermanent. Every pleasure, every pain, every body. But the survival instincts crave permanence and control. The body wants pleasure to stay forever and pain to go away forever. This is the very cause of attachment and aversion. The fact of impermanence leads to a generalized unsatisfactoriness. Many times we are drinking, using, or acting out in direct response to the unsatisfactoriness of life. We are trying to escape. We are trying to escape from it or to create a new temporary reality to replace it. But the truth is we are all constantly struggling with loss. We are constantly grieving the loss of each experience and trying in vain to create stability out of transience. Addictions are almost always created out of the vain hope to control the amount of pleasure and pain we experience. We become addicted to pleasant feelings that drugs, alcohol, sex, food, money temporarily create. The main problem here is that we are addicted to impermanent phenomena. When we get strung out on impermanent experiences such as drugs, sex, food, people, places, or things, we are always left with the stress and grief of loss since our intoxication can never last. When we spend our lives avoiding unpleasant experiences by taking another drink, devouring another chocolate cake, or masturbating for the seventh time today, we are actually causing the unpleasant experiences to last longer than they need to. The unpleasant thoughts, feelings, and sensations are impermanent, but also persistent. Trying to push them away is futile and always results in stress, anger, and suffering. It is like we create a dam in the flow of experience. 
rather than letting impermanence do its job, we block the passing of pain. We often do this through suppression, avoidance, ignoring, and self-medicating, or by hardening our heart and shutting out life. But when we sober up, the pain is still there waiting, waiting to be felt. Some have been successful in suppressing and denying the pain in their lives for long periods of time, but the dam will always burst eventually. And there is nothing more painful than a lifetime of suppressed pain flooding through all at once. Aversion is the survival instinct. To survive, we have to hate pain. But aversion doesn't leave us with much freedom or happiness. In our case, aversion leads to addiction. Our instincts tell us to hate pain and to get rid of it as quickly as possible, but our recovery depends on a radical shift in how we respond to those cravings and aversions. Again, just want to pause. Many of you have read this in meetings, you've read it, you, you, know, you know this core thing, but as you hear it, as we do in the meetings, as you listen to this, talk about it, take a time to just reflect your relationship to pleasure and pain, the instinctual drive to cling, the craving, the aversion of this human condition, of the human condition as having crossed the line into, uh, into addiction. Now, we are not suggesting that you just accept every painful experience that life presents you, or that you should never try to avoid pain or seek pleasure. Not at all. What we are saying is that there is a lot of unpleasantness about life that is unavoidable, while our instinct is to avoid it all especially as people addicted to avoiding producing substances or behaviors. It is impossible to get rid of or avoid all of the pain in life. The trick is to avoid what you can. Meditation is one of the tools that will lead to discernment about what pains to avoid and what pains are unavoidable and need to be accepted. I always think of the uh, serenity prayer around this issue of, you know, is this something that I need to have the, the compassion and the courage to, to be, be with? Um, is this something that I need to accept or, or have the uh, and accept and just have compassion for? Or is this an experience, a painful experience that I um, can change, that I can uh, avoid, that's avoidable? As recovering addicts, it is important to enjoy pleasure. As long as it is balanced and appropriate, we will need to find healthy ways to, uh, to enjoy life. 
In the beginning of recovery, this can often prove challenging. After the intense sensations of drugs, alcohol, and gambling, the subtle pleasures of eating a healthy meal or a good workout often pale in comparison. Even great sex can seem lacking when compared to a crack binge or heroin run. It may take a while to learn to appreciate and enjoy the simple joys of sobriety and recovery. As we practice meditation and start to live an ethical life, an ethical life, it will become more and more clear when it is time to accept the pains or enjoy the pleasures or when it is wise to refrain and avoid them. It is possible to live a balanced life, a life that enjoys pleasure without clinging to it. It is possible to meet the unavoidable pains with tenderness and care. We call this non-attached appreciation and the compassionate response ability. And we will go into more detail about how to develop these skills in the Eightfold Path. We are not trying to escape the human condition or the pleasures and pains of the human mind-body. Our job is to recover from the self-destructive tendencies of addiction and to live an embodied and fully human life. I created this uh, second truth inventory because there is a level of which um, repetitive craving is just completely normal but there's the question everyone has repetitive craving but not everybody becomes an addict an alcoholic not everyone becomes dependent on uh, food sex money people we don't not everybody has the addictive suffering that we do. Uh, and so part of the inventory is to help us identify some of the causes and conditions in our life that led to intensifying the craving, the normal human craving, and crossing the line over into addiction. Now, I personally don't take a, a strong stance. Refuge recovery doesn't take a strong stance of uh, like some people do where people say, well, addiction is always uh, hereditary. It's always in the family. There's alcoholism, there's addiction in your DNA and your ancestors. Uh, and then there's those who say addiction is always uh, created by trauma. You know, uh, people like Gabor Mate who will make this really strong stance who say, Every single addict is a traumatized person, and it's the trauma that led to addiction. Um, I don't know. Um, I like that, you know, the sort of the 12-step programs don't, you know, kind of say it's, this is the cause of it. What we know is that the cause of suffering is craving, but what leads us to have a more intense craving than non-addicts? And this second truth inventory is uh, an investigation of that, as us looking at it. And the first and second truth inventories are meant to be done by writing the question, you know, looking at the, reflecting on the questions and writing it down and meditating on it, but actually writing it down.
But tonight, as I did last week, we'll do the inventory as a meditative reflection. So find a way to sit that's meditative, comfortable, upright, relaxed. Let's look at the source of our suffering and addictions. Remember that there is a difference between craving and desire. Craving is a thought and feeling that says, I have to have it. I cannot be happy without it. Desire says, I want it, but will be fine with or without it. Craving for sense pleasure seems to be the most prevalent cause of addiction. Most addicts have deep wells of pain in their past. Their addictions are manifested as ways to avoid or replace the suffering they have been through. Let's look deeply and carefully at our own lives and see what may have led to our addiction. Answer each question in depth and detail. Use a notebook. So I'm gonna, again, I'm going to do this with you as a reflection. And I just want to say that uh, I've met people and, you know, there's certainly maybe even some people listening to this would say, I, I didn't have much pain in my past. I had a healthy childhood and my parents aren't addicts or alcoholics, and um, but I became an addict. So I, I'm open to, you know, I, I think there's some people that would uh, dismiss that. Uh, I'm open to it. I think that there that's true for some people. Some people become addicts and it's not a deep traumatic well of pain that leads to that it's just um, something else and so again this is for each person to find out for themselves to do this inventory to reflect on it identify for yourself we're not diagnosing anybody everyone has to diagnose themselves as you're ready allowing your eyes to be closed settling into a meditative Present time awareness, feel your breath, your body. Soften any unnecessary tension you may be holding physically. And begin to reflect on your life, your childhood, your adolescence, your early adulthood, your adult life. Reflecting on your life, what are some of the most painful memories? Remembering the heartbreaks, the violence perhaps, the, you know, the, the pain of addiction, the pain of abuse we may have lived through. Just reflecting what's there in our mind, these memories that are always there, and just turning our attention towards our painful memories. Reflect on what happened and about how we've been carrying those memories with us. The pain of our life and how we've been carrying that pain around. as a memory, as a trigger, as justification.
how did your addictions affect those memories? And how did those experiences affect your addiction as you reflect on the pain that you've lived through? What happened to those memories in the midst of active addiction? And how did those, how did the pain of your past fuel your addiction, affect your addiction? Are there things that you've been keeping in? Secrets or experiences that you swore you would never talk about? Now is the time to let them out. Your recovery depends on it. Was there violence or abuse in your home? What did it feel like to be there? Were you neglected in any way? What do you remember about that in your early life? Was there any inappropriate sexual experiences in your life? Coercion, abuse, rape, molestation, objectification? Exposure. What happened? Bringing into conscious awareness the pains, the neglect, the abuse. And as we do this and we turn towards the pain, I'd like to also invite you to turn towards it with compassion. Breathing in the pain of our past, breathing out compassion, kindness, tenderness towards our pain. Is there a family history of addiction, alcoholism? What was it like growing up with that legacy? If the answer is yes. How did the history of alcoholism or addiction in your family affect you? Were we subjected to it at an early age? Did we start drinking and using? Or other addictive behaviors? Modeled? Take a moment and identify, if you can, 
When did you first feel like escaping your reality? At what age, at what point in your life did you start trying to escape reality? That first drink, toke, pill, addictive behavior, process that you would become addicted to. When did you start drinking, using, and acting upon what would become your addictions? What was the entry? Did it begin as a exploration? How long did you maintain? When did it become a problem? When did you cross that line from fun, escapism, intoxication into dependence, addiction? Now turning towards our fears, identifying what you're most afraid of. What are we most afraid of? And how did our addictions affect those fears? Did you become fearless? Were you able to suppress, avoid that fear? Have you contemplated or tried to take your own life in an attempt to be rid of pain. What's your relationship to suicide? What happened in those contemplations or attempts? How do you feel about being alive now? Alive, in recovery, healing, waking up. How have addictive behaviors or substances been an escape from the realities of your life?
Breathing in the pain, breathing out compassion. Reflecting on all of the things that fueled our craving. Most of it painful. As we learn to meet it with compassion, softening your belly, breathing it in and letting it go. Are there difficulties in your life you wish to avoid facing? What are some of those difficulties? And is that connected with addictive craving? When we have difficulties, does the craving, the relapse fantasy or actual relapse? How's it connected with avoiding, trying to avoid difficulties in life? Intimacy, insecurity. Name it for yourself. Reflect on all of the things that you're attached to, that you think you need. What's that list of I need in order to be happy? I have to have. People that you feel like you couldn't live without. Things, experiences. Attachment to our views, our opinions, our beliefs. Reflecting on pleasure, sensory pleasures, Reflect on what are some of the pleasures that you crave? Pleasant smells, pleasant tastes, pleasant sounds. Be specific that you crave. Sometimes you feel like I have to have this taste, this sound, this sensation. Thinking about reflecting on our relationship to pleasure and pain. Do you sometimes use physical pleasure to avoid pain? Turning towards craving for using physical pleasure, sensual pleasure, in order to avoid something unpleasant, something painful, whether that's a thought or a feeling. Or do you sometimes intentionally create physical pain to control or avoid emotional pain? Cutting, fighting, 
extreme exercise. How has pleasure-seeking caused you to suffer? Reflect on some of the ways you've created suffering in your life, seeking pleasure. Reflect on what could have been differently when, what could have been done differently when craving, rather than attempting to satisfy. Cravings are natural, arising and passing. How could we have refrained from satisfying those cravings that would just cause us more suffering in the end? Continue to breathe in. Any pain that comes from these reflections of suffering, breathe out compassion. We're not creating anything here, we're just turning towards what is. This is what's in our hearts, what's in our minds, living in our memories. Turning towards it with the intention of recovering and uncovering. Freedom happiness, awakening. Last couple of reflections, few reflections. What do you think you need to be happy? What material things do you think would complete you? How is your happiness tied to your expectations? Do you or did you indulge your addictions when you didn't get what you want? How has the craving for success caused you suffering? Has failure led to relapse? All of the ways that we cling, try to control, take personally, and suffer about and fuel our addictions based on material success. Last question. What would your life look like if you were free from all forms of craving, take some time to reflect about what freedom would feel like. And remember that the end of craving does not mean the end of healthy passions or desires. Free from all craving, the thought, the feeling, the obsession, 
that says I have to have If we only lived with healthy desires, wanting, healthy passions, free from the suffering that craving creates. Just return to mindfulness of the present, having reflected on our painful memories and some of the suffering of our lives. Perhaps it becomes clear, or perhaps not. What set our trajectory towards addiction? Perhaps there's obvious trauma, or not so obvious. When you're ready, if you've been eyes closed meditating, you can allow your eyes to be open. Cause of addiction is repetitive craving. What's fueling our craving? And how can we turn towards it with compassion, with forgiveness? This is the path as we get into the Eightfold Path. Process of forgiving ourselves and others. Of tending to the pain of our past with compassion. And the more we do this, the less those repetitive cravings fuel our lives and our actions. So for the last few minutes, I'm happy to um, have some discussion. If you have uh, questions or comments and you'd like to hear some thoughts from me, um, you can do that through Facebook or YouTube. I'll be able to see it. I could actually pull it onto the screen. What are your thoughts? 
about this second noble truth, second truth of refuge recovery, with your experience, with this inventory. Um, if you haven't sat down and reflected on these and written them out, I, of course, encourage you to. It's part of our process of recovery, and we do this for our own freedom, and we also do it so that we can be of service to the new people who are coming in. Who I, I do believe that we need to face all of our pain in order to really recover. And we see people over and over who um, get into recovery and don't really do the work and um, maintain abstinence for some time, but then that pain comes back and uh, comes out in, in all kinds of different dysfunctional behaviors and often leads to relapse. How difficult to stay in recovery when we haven't done the internal healing. There's a question here about um, suggestions for when you are in that obsession and compulsion, how to get through it. It's one of the reasons that we have to um, learn meditation and um, concentration meditations are especially useful. Even this initial mindfulness of the breath because a compulsion and an obsession is a mental experience it is your mind saying telling you what to do obsessing and uh, oh you know uh, ordering you to satisfy a craving there's also a physical component to craving especially when we become physically addictive but our mind is so powerful even if you're in recovery for years, there can still be this feeling of physical uh, compulsion. The more we meditate and, and the more we learn to train the mind, then meditation becomes an intervention. Mindfulness and concentration become an intervention for obsession and compulsion. You will learn if you... Uh, practice meditation regularly, that you can choose to disobey your mind, no matter how obsessed it is. You can ignore it. You can keep coming back to your breath. You can keep coming back to the loving kindness or the forgiveness phrases. And the good news is that everything's impermanent. So if we don't act on obsessions uh, and compulsions and we use a meditative intervention like mindfulness and concentration or, or loving kindness or if we use one of our meditation tools the obsession will pass it is impermanent now it may come back and depending on how you know uh, repetitive it is you might have to keep coming back to the breath keep coming back to the phrase and you know then of course there's the um, sangha you know, so there's the, our internal work, but then there's, you know, so important when you're in that obsession, that compulsion to reach out, pick up the phone, call the people in your community, go to the meetings or Zoom as we're doing now. Um, but really, like, let other people know and let somebody else support you through it. Sometimes we just need to have somebody sit with us until it passes and, you know, and, med you know, and meditation. 
what we do in Refuge. So question here on Instagram. Oh, there's a comment, somebody saying that, uh, particularly struck by the question about when it became a problem, when our addictions are, uh, became a problem, uh, and that I'd like to think that there was one point, but it was a much earlier than that, this sort of like stories that we tell ourselves of like, oh yeah, when I was 20, I became addicted, but then when we look back being like, oh, actually, when I was 16, when I was 15, when I was, you know, the signs were there. And of course, there's some addicts who say, the first time I picked up, I was just on. It was just on from there. There's some people who say I had a normal, somewhat normal relationship to drugs and alcohol or food or sex. or And then there was this line that was crossed. And then there's some of us who just say like, from the gate, it was compulsive and addictive and uh, there was never a normal relationship to it. So you have to identify that for yourself. Question here um, from YouTube channel. Suffering fear is intense, especially when you are new and sometimes for years after. What is your take on where this fear stems from? Is it a lack of trust, lack of love, life, death? I mean, I'll just say that I don't know for you um, specifically. I don't, you know, it's it's probably a bit different for each of us. And there's a level of fear that's just completely normal. Like it, it talks about in this chapter, the survival instinct, our craving for pleasure, our fear of pain. In order to, we, we have, you know, we're afraid of death. We're afraid of non-existence. That's a normal, healthy survival instinct. And then there's our conditioning from our childhood, from our... Um, culture from our the religions that we uh, were subjected to so i can't identify where your specific intense fears come from but you can you can identify those through your meditation through your reflection through your conversation with others and it's important to identify them the more we bring awareness to some of the roots the more we can start to uproot. And my feeling is, you know, there are people who talk about fearlessness, and even in Buddhism, there will be people that talk about fearlessness. I don't buy it. I think that fear is a completely unavoidable human emotion, and that certain circumstances call for fear. <laughs> and um, the difference is a healthy fear and I always think of the simple experience of like, actually, I was talking to a friend who I think's watching tonight who um, tried to run across a freeway and got hit by a car on the freeway. And I always think of that example of like, yeah, you should have a healthy fear. Like, don't go try to run across a freeway. You should be afraid of that. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, it's a healthy fear. Uh, and that, that kind of fear, we need that fear. That's the kind of fear that keeps us alive. And when we don't have it because we're so loaded or we're so uh, something that we uh, don't heed that healthy fear, then we, she got hit by a car and got very injured. Um, 
Next question, I see a critique on Facebook about um, the, well, I'll have a question and then a critique and about uh, meditations like that could be triggering. Um, totally true, could be, and this is the stuff that's in us and that I, I believe that our, our recovery depends on turning towards it and feeling it. And that's why we also breathe with compassion towards it. And, um, and it's a lot, but recovery is asking for a lot, a lot. And I just see people that um, don't do this work, so, you know, relapse over and over. Um, next question is, I'm interested in the concept of using extreme exercise as a way to avoid emotional pain. Do you think that that can hinder growth or progress? Interested in the concept of using. Yeah, I do. I, I definitely people, um, you know, there's a, in Buddhism, the conversation and, and the goal is balance and exercise is really good for you. Uh, there's a, a healthy relationship to it. And then we definitely see, and maybe some of you, when you take it to such an extreme that it's, um, you know, hurting you, um, it's not, it's no longer healthy. It's a, this avoidance um, I've seen. And I don't think that this is true for all extreme athletes, but I've definitely seen some of my recovery people that I know where it's quite clear that they're running these hundred mile races um, to try to avoid something, not as a healing um, process, not as, uh, so you have to, you know, Julie, I'm happy to speak with you about it, um, but there's a healthy balance in when it comes to exercise and how much pain uh, we're creating for ourselves. It's a question of how do we differentiate between sexual di between when our sexual desires are healthy or unhealthy craving. Um, it's a good question. I don't know that I can completely answer it. I have a tendency to feel that um, uh, all sexual desire is natural, human, um, that there's nothing... Uh, you know, that it's just, it's just part of our being. We're sexual beings. So it's not the desire that... It's not the desire that would be the issue. It's whether or not it's an appropriate desire to act on. Um, there's renunciation. There's the necessity of um, not, you know, even, um, you know, we have in, in the Buddhist precepts, we talk about what is um, misconduct and what's not misconduct. And, and the Buddha was quite liberal about human sexuality. Uh, and basically it's consenting adults that aren't committed in some other way. And, um, so I, I don't think I can answer it specifically, but of course we need to look at, uh, is it appropriate? And, and be real with ourselves, whether this is an appropriate partner, an appropriate situation.
think I'm going to end there. Thank you for your practice, your reflection. Um, if you do feel stirred up a bit by this uh, deep dive into the underlying causes and conditions that uh, may have led to our addiction in the first place, your pain, please do some compassion meditation. Reach out to some people in your community. If you don't have those people to reach out to, like uh, make some posts here um, and people that are listening will reach out to you and you can reach out to them if there's anybody that feels like you need a little extra support after reflecting on your, um, your deep uh, pains and fears and, and painful memories. Um, we are a community of people that do this kind of depth, depth work and we also support each other in it. And we've all done it and we all are here to uh, support each other in walking through it. So feel free to leave some comments if anybody there needs some support. Thank you for tuning in. Upcoming um, this Saturday, we have, I have um, through Refuge Recovery through these channels. I don't think I'm gonna do it on Instagram. I'll just do it on the Facebook and the um, YouTube channel, but if you want to participate in it, you need to um, sign up on refugerecovery.org for a Saturday day long where we're going to do sitting and walking mindfulness meditation all day. We're going to start at 10 a.m. We're going to go till 4 p.m. We'll have a lunch break. Please join us for the, um, for the uh, day long. And uh, there's a, I think there's a $50 charge for it, but if you can't afford it, you're welcome. Well, we will scholarship you. If you can't afford it, please do uh, register and pay so that we can raise some money for the World Services Organization. And um, that's on Saturday. And then I'll be live streaming Monday and Wednesday on Against the Stream. If you're not following Against the Stream, come over, follow Against the Stream on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram. And uh, many goodness that comes from our practice be shared outward in all directions with all beings everywhere. May each one of us recover from the suffering that addiction has created in our lives. And together may we make recovery available to all who seek it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Refuge Recovery Podcast. To learn more about our program of recovery and to connect with others on the Refuge Recovery Path, visit our website, refugerecovery.org where you will find information, meditations, and links to both in-person and online refugee recovery meetings. This podcast is brought to you by Refugee Recovery World Services, a nonprofit created to support our network of refugee recovery groups around the world. Thank you for listening.